Republican fans, welcome back. It's Peter Hale and Zach Miller. This is the Midtown Madness podcast. Uh, before we get going, thank you so much for listening. And if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit the like and subscribe buttons, as well as the bell down below to get notified whenever a new episode drops. Uh, speaking of episodes, this episode and the whole season of this uh, this podcast here, the Midtown Madness, is brought to you by Two Men in a Garden. Whether you like it mild or hot, chunky or cantina style, the people over at Two Men have you covered. I know what you're asking, Zach, why Two Men in a Garden? Uh, they are a 100% St. Louis company. Not only are they local, but they've opened up their production facility to local food entrepreneurs. They love St. Louis the way I do. You can pick up their many products at any local grocery stores or online at twomenandagarden.com. Follow them on social media as well at two men salsa pete uh how are we doing we got a bit of a reprieve from our dense early a10 schedule we do uh, it's uh it's a one game week it's i feel like it's been a long time since we've had one of these zach it's it's been a lot of two first uh lately very uh not just dense schedule but dense notes for our show every week uh so it, it is kind of nice to only have to talk about one game and uh, we can get into the weeds on some other stuff instead. Yeah, I uh, I realized that like when we don't when we do have a short week or like a small uh, a small script, I guess you want to say. Um, yeah. I I end up trying to find other things to put in there, and then I go way overboard and just totally muck up the entire thing with just like random ideas. Uh, and we've got a couple of them. We may get to all of them. We may save one for another episode. Depends on how we how we get along here. Uh, first, need to give a shout out to longtime friend and listener, also former Chaffetz section mate Chris Geldmacher. Uh, helped me out this past week or two. Uh, Chris, great Billiken fan. Um, he's also an attorney here in St. Louis. If you're ever in the need for a great attorney and a great guy, uh, Chris has got a call. Um, no, I didn't do anything illegal, by the way, just for just for the record there. <laughs> um, Pete, do we I, I I maybe let's let's talk about the baseball uh, thread real quick uh, okay. before we get into basketball, because I think it's important to to kind of go over that. Um, I I really you know, I've been meaning to do it in. When I when I put out that thing about the the soccer stadium, I got a little flack, and I understand that because it was kind of it is kind of tone deaf when baseball is is really in need of something, uh, and I'm talking about an, putting another thing on the soccer field. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it, it doesn't make your point any less true, you know. Like right. the soccer the soccer complex would feel a lot nicer if they did have something sort of visually to 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 break it up on the end there. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it does remind us that baseball's really, really, uh, behind the times behind their peers when it comes to facilities. And I thought you did a great job on this thread. I, I, I was a couple days late on getting to it and, uh, really opening. Uh, I, I enjoyed the heck out of it. I thought you did a great job putting a lot of visual aids in there to kind of see what our peers are doing and then kind of brought it all together. I, uh, why, why don't you take us through kind of what, you know, what inspired it, what went into it and how'd you, how'd you go about uh, drawing some attention to the baseball facilities here? So I really wanted to include uh, the, what, what spurred it on originally, it probably it's probably seven years in the making, obviously this, 
this whole that I want to call it a crusade, I guess, to uh, improve uh, the fan facilities and also the media facilities at at the Billiken Baseball Stadium and the Softball Stadium. Uh, but obviously, Softball Stadium, it, it, you know, it, it it can get there in a lot less money. It's a lot smaller. Um, but it was when SLU Baseball hosted the A10 Championship, and they put up this like shoddy, like scaffolded press box with like a table, like a, like a picnic table in it. I, I don't know, but you have to have a, a press box to host the tournament and, and Slew doesn't have one. And it, it just, it, it occurred to me that these are not like uh, extras. They're, they're basic things that this stadium doesn't have. Right. Um. So I was curious. I was, you know, I wanted to know how many teams, because the goal is always to make the NCAA tournament at our level. Anyway, um, and I wondered how many teams made last year's NCAA tournament and didn't have a press box. Um, I also wanted to get into the seat issue because I think, you know, on a cold early spring day, it, it keeps people away uh, having to go sit out on bleachers. So I, I first I went through the A-10 and I was like, OK, let's look at the A-10. And a lot of them don't have good pictures from the outfield. So there was mm. one or two that either that were either a no or uh, for press box was either a no or um, uh, or didn't know. And then the same with the NCAA. There was two, uh, and one of them I guess is doesn't exist anymore. The field for I forget what is it, um, Long Island University, LIU uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, that's yeah. a weird one. Yeah. So, but it you know I just kind of was going through. I would go in and. To, you know, I went and looked at the bracket, took the names off the bracket, went to their website. I tried to get, you know, if I could find out, especially for the ones that would be in our range, how much they were paid. So you looked at mm. like Lyndon or uh, who is it put up 10,000 and 5,000 was Granderson UIC, I think. UIC, it was UIC. Yeah. yeah. So what, what spurred it on though, like in the, in the, in the immediate was that obviously I, I had put it off for a long time. And uh, finally, uh, Laura Weber, I believe, is who, you know, kind of rightfully so called me out. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'll, I'll put it out. I'll put out this thread. Uh, and I just did it over that that entire day, kind of a little bit in the morning, a little bit during the day. And then when I got home uh, in the evening, I finished it off. But yeah, I, I really uh, I really was appreciative of the responses, especially uh, you know, alumni reaching out. Uh, we had a couple recent alumni. Uh, there, you know, I I can get into it probably uh, a little bit later. Uh, you know, stuff they said. It's not necessarily groundbreaking stuff they said. I mean, and again, this isn't this isn't coming from a place of like attacking the athletic department or anything. It's just like th these are basic things that if you want to you want to attain your goal of getting the NCAA tournament. It, this is bare bones. Like this is one Oh one. And I, I'd really like to see a team that has outperformed essentially the expectation in the NCAA of, you know, you have the, all the facilities necessary. Um, and they still go to the tournament, still go to the tournament. What three out of in three times in 15 years, they're non-ticketed. They get no revenue at all. They're like, that takes non-revenue to the extreme. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, look, uh, Hendo's done an amazing job. Uh, I, I think, you know, obviously it, it starts with a donor. We got, we got to find a donor out there. There's got to be somebody out there. 
that is willing to put up 10 million. That's not, I mean, obviously I don't, I don't work in fundraising. I've never worked in fundraising, but 10 million can't be hard, right? Wait, can you find a business? Well, it's, it's, I, I hate to rely on just a single donor, right? Yeah. I mean, look at the, the, the champion center. That was 20 donors who all put up the same amount to get it done. It's, it's, if you're, you know, now you're trying to do the same thing for half that, um, maybe it's not the exact same pool of donors, but certainly you could look at how that got done and, and try and figure it out for baseball and softball. Um, how much thought, was the champion center? Cause I got a question for you. Wasn't that 20, 20 million. Yeah. So here's my question for you. If, if, if you, if, if they put out to a vote, if they said, okay, Billiken fans and athletic department, and they said, you can either have the champion center or we can add the sufficient uh, items to the baseball stadium and the softball stadium and bring field hockey and tennis back to campus. Which would you pick? Which do you think would better serve the university long-term? Wow. I mean, I guess you could make the argument that with the champion center, you're serving all sports, right? Um, and that you are, you know, doing more for the higher profile sports that can really raise the profile of the athletic program. But man, I don't know. That that that's a really tough question. I I mean, what what's your what's your response to that? I I think I I I think if you say the champion center or the yeah, I, I think you go with the thing that can elevate the, the programs that aren't at uh the appropriate level financially funded. I think right. I, I think I think you know, I think it's a you know, it's kind of again, it, it, it's brutal to bring players uh, athletes in here and not give them the basic tools to succeed uh right or, you know so that's my opinion and i'm sticking to it uh let <laughs> us know leave a comment down below or wherever um tweet at us whatever let us know what your opinion is on it because obviously i think it's i i honestly think it's a would you, a great would you rather it's it, you know it's yeah it's interesting so uh, yeah, that's about it on baseball. Uh, and I'll get probably into kind of just the, the response from a lot of different people, um, later on. Pete, uh, a lot to get into, uh, basketball wise. We've got, uh, the guy from, uh, Connor Bailey from the black and gold fan pod coming up to preview Friday 10, but first uh, Pete Billikens come away with a 74 70 win at Davidson on Friday, uh, January 27th. The first win in the history of the Billiken program at Belk arena. Curses aren't real Zach, right? I mean, curses aren't real. Uh, are the official real. men's basketball Instagram account called it a curse. I think there's something to it. If they're acknowledging it, look, I'm not a superstitious person. I'm not a spiritual, whatever, uh, I don't believe in curses either, but I think it is pretty interesting that they actually acknowledge the existence of it, or at least the fact that enough fans believe in this thing that we're just doomed to never win at Belk Arena. And it was kind of fitting how this game went in a lot of ways. 
uh, ironic. It started out ironic, and then it st- and then it, it it continued fitting, and then it ended appropriately. I thought so. Uh, Bill, the Bill could start eight of eight from the field in this one. They didn't miss until Parker rimmed out on his second three in a row, three attempts in a row. Yeah, at the twelve fifty one mark. Of course, you had Terrence Hargrove fouled and missed, but that doesn't count. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't expect that hot of an opening at all. I don't think anybody did, you know, like we've had, I think this was the first game we've scored more than 60 in that gym, you know, let alone, let alone 77 or whatever we ended up. Yeah. 74 that we ended up with. I mean, 60 was kind of the ceiling on what we've done here. So to come out shooting eight of eight, was just like, okay, fine. This is a different team. <laughs> oh, okay. Fine. Year. Yeah. No, okay. Was like, fine. Okay. That's what you, well, no, I was it, dancing. Yeah, I mean, it was incredible. But the, the frustrating thing, Zach, is during this stretch, we didn't really put them away. Like, like it kind of, if you told me that Slew started that hot, it was just like, okay, so then this thing got out of hand, right? But no, not at all. I mean, we we um, we turned it over a few times. We, we were letting Davidson get offensive rebounds. The entire game, Davidson had a pretty healthy margin of how many more shot attempts they had than Slew. So even though we we shot that well, I mean, we had to in order to win this thing, given that we just weren't giving ourselves as many chances. Yeah. And and then, you know, with the turnovers um, and then the foul situation, uh, mm. just just really brutal stretch. I thought um, it, it's it's strange to me. And I tweeted it and I'm like, we are shooting the, the piss out of the ball and we're trying to force it inside. I just didn't really understand that move from Yuri there. No, I, 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 I didn't either. Um, I mean, look, you know, d- d- we call it decision-making, call it game plan. I, I, I don't know what it was there. Um, what do, what do you attribute that to? Now, I, I don't know, but I think I said it early. Like, I think I said it when Yuri Collins announced the, the portal move, uh, this team a lot when this team is on, we really just need a guy to get the ball to the person's hands in the most efficient way possible. I mean, literally, if you just get it to Forrester or get it to Okoro on the block, he was he was they were or you get to Perkins, uh, Parker, Jefferson, they were torching Davidson on the offensive end. Well, and we we knew right that that was that was a vulnerability of Davidson. I mean, Davidson. One of the things that's been true ever since they've been in the A10, they are soft in the in the front mm-hmm. court. Soft, not necessarily that they're not skilled. They're always usually very skilled. They've got guys who could stretch it and shoot it. But I think we said coming into this game, if you're Okoro or Forrester, you got to be licking your chops here at like guys who are just weaker and less athletic and just like not that dominant at all. They're not a they don't block any shots. They're not a great rebounding team. Uh, a good post player could really um, have his way with that team. And it was a little frustrating because what happened instead, you wind up getting Perkins, Okoro, and Collins all on the bench for a pretty good stretch of the first half with two fouls apiece. And and Ford held the line on that, right? So Slew only goes into half. Um, actually, we, we went into half down four, right? Yeah. Uh, we're, we're shooting 54% from the field 46 percent from threes you know we three or four free throws uh because we turned it over five more times we had four more fouls and it was six until the last possession there 
and uh, we gave up four more offensive rebounds. So you've got three three key players on the bench. Um, all those things are going against you, and it was just it was unbelievable to me to go into halftime down in this game after the way that thing started. You, we mentioned the fouls and two questions here, and I'll start with the first one. Again, I will say this that I swear to God, every big in the A10 gets protected except for our bigs. Now, I will say that foul with a coro when he put his hand on the back textbook can't do that. I get that. But it it, it always feels like they are you know, you look at the end of the game where the uh the uh the offensive foul on the screen, right? The moving screen. Mm-hmm. Um I'm sorry, but a player walking forward like this, that's a moving screen. Um uh, you know, Oduro in this George Mason game today with uh, 10 seconds left in the game sets the worst moving screen I've ever seen. And they just let the play go. Like it was, it, he wasn't even trying to set a good screen. It was, uh, but I, I just feel like for whatever reason, our big men are just at the mercy of the officials. And I don't understand why, like, why are we put in this position? Well, I mean, for one, neither of them are stars and they don't get that kind of star treatment that guys like Oduro or Holmes or Toppin before him gets. Um, they also don't do themselves a lot of favors because they they tend to turn it over a lot. Like they they kind of get happy feet offensively. They they I think they walk. And we went back and forth a little bit on Twitter on this the other night. It feels like they travel more than any other bigs I've seen. I mean, so I'd be interested to know if we're proximity bias on that one, too. Very well could be. Very well could be. I mean, I looked up the numbers and they're they're not great in terms of, you know, they, they're both turning it over one and a half to two times a game. And uh, I think Forrester is the worst violator if you look at per 40 minute averages. But um, but yeah, they, they they walk a lot. I don't know. I just I feel like they could kind of um, put themselves in better position a lot of time. Like like I, I just think both those are both guys. They're fifth year players. They got to play smarter. Right. So if you're not going to get the Oduro treatment, Holmes treatment, whatever, you've got to you've got to be smarter. You've got to outwork them. You've got to outsmart them. And and neither of those guys seem to have the best instincts for that sort of thing. And and, and they get into trouble that kind of way. Um, I kind of thought our, our defense overall struggled a bit here. We were we were not good off the ball at all. Uh, that the help defense was not there a lot of times, and we got beat a lot one on one too. And I'm thinking specifically of Perkins. In, in that case where um, he was just kind of a few possessions in a row, he just got, got burned. Um, I, I didn't, didn't love the defensive effort in this game. Yeah. The second question I had was about foul, foul trouble and uh, managing foul trouble. Where do you stand on Travis Ford uh, playing, you know, or basically uh, having a hard stance on, you have two fouls in the first half. You're sitting down as long as the game's close. I, I, I would love to say I know, and I know how you kind of feel. Like trust your players on this one, and a and little I, bit. I don't I even think, think I'm it, a I, little more conservative with it is with a guy like Yuri, and specifically because we don't have a replacement for him. Yeah. Um, Okoro, Okoro, you just kind of go okay. Um. You know, you pick up your third here. You're hoping Forrester's having a good game, and he really wasn't <laughs> against Davidson. No, Forrester was not having a good game in this one at all. Um, so, like the student said, something about his mama or something. I, I, yeah, 
It yeah, is and, and and then I think with a guy like Perkins, you think, well, there's a guy that we actually do kind of have some answers for. You know, you've got Parker, you've got uh, who's who's played a lot better lately. You've got Jimerson out there, um, Hargrove. You do have some kind of options to replace him, even if Thatch is out for the season. Um, so in in those cases, I think it was he was just kind of protecting, um, protecting all three of them. But I I think Yuri and Okoro probably more than any other two players are the last two you want to see get in foul trouble because they just don't have, we just don't have depth at those positions. Right. Um, I guess you could talk about Momo, but he just, he hasn't, he hasn't played much. We don't really know what he's capable of. Yet. He, played, he, nice, he gave us decent minutes. A nice, at the end. a nice block, a nice block, a little foul in this one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, so, so I don't know. I, I, I'm probably a little more conservative in that regard as well. Um, it's a shame to have gone into halftime down four. I don't think that happens if those guys aren't in foul trouble. Um, but I, uh, I didn't like Travis Ford saying eight to 10 point deficit. Like he would have hmm. brought him back. Like, like at that point, I mean, you're, you're looking at really putting yourself in a, a up shit Creek. Right. Yeah. You, you mean saying like, if it were an eight or 10 point game, that's where I, um, that's where I saw those guys. Yeah. yeah. Where, I, where I put them back in. Right, like that's, where, that's where I let them risk a third foul. I, I yeah, mean, I, I don't, don't know. know. I, just, I don't think we're deep enough to to get. I'm I'm probably a little more conservative with that, like like Travis is. Um, well, you you touched a little bit on the defense and and being bad off the ball, getting beat a lot one on one, no help defense. What do you think is the deal with just? I mean, I've never seen a team, and I talked about it on Chapley Spaces uh, after the game. I've never seen a Billiken team where I was able to like to easily see where we got beat. Like it's if we get beat, it's like I'm barely noticing it and the balls as the ball's getting to their hands. This one, I'm seeing it and able to count a couple of Mississippis. And yeah. <laughs> what what is going on? Is it is it the complexity of whatever Travis is trying to do? Is it is it the constant cooling around with the defenses uh, i mean or is it just plain old lack of awareness on the basketball end of things i don't know what it was in this one i mean i've, I've seen us play like i think about a, a team like auburn right that's yeah. that's more athletic than anybody in our conference um and i i sort and we played them so well and we you know that's a game we should have won and, and kind of let get away we just kind of played them straight up right i mean just a really the effort was there for 40 minutes, but, but it was, you know, we had, they, they had a little stretch at the end where, um, you know, it was close and they kind of took the lead and we really, for that game played just a straight up man to man, nothing super complicated, but it kind of feels like these teams like Davidson that run a lot of motion. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're, there's just a lot of motion in their offense. <laughs> they're obviously not nearly um, as, as athletic or, or big or anything like that as an Auburn team. Um, but I kind of felt like the defense was way worse for us. Like we, we struggled a lot more with what they're doing. It's, it's almost like, um, it's not, I don't think it's the complications on our end. I think on their end, the teams that, that really have, a uh, uh, an offensive scheme that has a lot of movement. Um, our team, our team does not play well off screens at all. So if, if you've got a, a, a lot of motion, a lot of screening, um, at some point you're going to get open. And uh, I, I think that's that's been a problem with us all year. Yeah, it feels like this team, uh, like 
you know, we can play. The reason why we play up to our competition is because the, the, the bigger, you know, the bigger name programs aren't necessarily uh, worrying so much about game planning. They're just going out there and playing basketball and, and playing their system, uh, you know, which doesn't involve a lot of back cuts and uh, uh, double ball screens and all this stuff that like Davidson or Richmond throw out there. I mean, I would say my worst nightmare is the Princeton offense with this team. Um, oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. But, but when you run into like a team like Auburn, who necessarily isn't, you know, uh, yeah, they're running sets and, 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 and uh, motion and uh, actions and, and all this stuff, but they're, they're, they're kind of just playing ball. And I think that's where this team can punch above its weight, but also struggle. And when you, when you're in a conference like the Atlantic 10, you've got programs that rely heavily on, on offensive sets and, uh, and a lot of motion and misdirection to, to get open looks. And, and unfortunately that's our Achilles heel. I don't know what what you're seeing. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I think it's just, um, just like I said before, I mean, the teams that, that move well, that, that know what they're doing, that move well off the ball, uh, especially like, I, I just feel like we're so prone to lapses. We don't, we don't play off well, we off screens well at all. And then we've got guys like Perkins who, um, it can kind of be exposed a little bit as, as defensive liabilities, you know, like having, having trouble reading screens and then, um, keeping up with guys, you know, like that, that just, that came into play a lot in this one. You know, Davidson did cool off in the second half because, you know, they they were they were not quite as hot as we were, but they were hot in the first half. But it, I didn't think it was because of our defense here. Um, and then, Zach, I don't know about you, but like the last few minutes of this one, I kind of don't know how to feel about it. Um, we we agree that Davidson got some home cooking in this one. Um, but SLU did get away with a few lapses in, in the end of this. Like there was one time where they didn't get back in transition lawyer um, you know, sent a long pass forward and we, we kind of got away with it. Davidson missed a couple of open shots. Cause it was, it, it went to, um, Huffman, Huffman and then yeah. Huffman kicked it out to uh, Watson, maybe Watson. No. Uh, no, it wasn't Watson. Uh, but he kicked it out and the, the wide open three was a miss. Uh, but yeah. I know what you're talking about. And also some backdoor cuts we got burned on. Right. And that's more so what I was kind of expecting to see from Davidson. We didn't see a lot of, I, I, I struggle with the idea that, you know, our, our defense wasn't necessarily to blame. Uh, I think there's, you know, obviously closing out on shooters is one a, as far as three point defense. But I think when it comes down to it, if you're making them work to get open, you know, we see it a lot with Jimerson when he's off. You know, not necessarily that they're closing down on him, but they're just harassing him the entire game, making him work as hard as possible so that when he gets that wide open shot, if he gets that wide open shot, he's he's a little fatigued. He's maybe maybe doesn't have the spring in his legs, doesn't get the proper lift off. Maybe, you know, I, I don't know. That's that's my opinion. I I just think I think closing out is just kind of a the not necessarily the entire picture. Sure. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, you know, I, I thought, uh, I thought that great. I thought a great play at the end. We have it here, you know, pick it. We, we turned it over late against the press, but you know, Yuri Collins got called out by the, um, by the announcer for ball watching early, earlier in the game. And then, you know, uh, pick it, uh, uh try to beat pressure, uh, 
he was fouled, but no call. But he finds Yuri, who, again, not ball watching in this one, finds Davidson ball watching because, I mean, you could see Menenga clear as day. Look back, goes, oh, shit. Uh, so I, I thought it was a really good, um, you know, kind of improvement from earlier in the game. It was something, you know, you could obviously see. Did Yuri travel on that, by the way? That no, last, no, uh, no, that no, last no. Layup? Okay. Go, no, I don't he, think so. he got it. He got it. I, I feel like he got it just inside the three point line. He didn't dribble at all. No, I thought he got it closer to the lane. Okay. Um, all right. But no, I, you know what? I think in the moment, I think, I think maybe uh, not even a, a tenth of a second did that flash in my brain when it happened. And I was like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I've seen too many travels from Okoro and Forrester tonight to know, to know what a travel is. I think I'm just not, I'm so not used to Yuri being in that situation where no. he's the one as the finisher. Um, it was weird to see Pickett as the passer on that and Yuri as the finisher, but yeah, Pickett, it kind of looked like he got fouled. I mean, it seemed like they were trying to foul quite honestly um, on that play when he when he when he found yuri and kind of that diagonal pass to hit yuri streaking to the basket um so I, I didn't quite you know when they didn't call it i thought well this is a disaster you know whatever however this finishes if they're not going to call this um you know he's going to find a way to turn this over and 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 luckily that that bailed us out um i will say though in terms of free throws you know 10 of 13 for the game they hit him when they they mattered here and then when you look at the kind of the final numbers here we're plus 13 on the defensive glass but minus seven in offensive rebounds. We let up way too many offensive rebounds in this game. I kind of felt like Davidson had a knack for being in the right place uh, in the right time when they miss. Um, some of this was happening, you know, because Okoro was probably on the bench more than he normally would have been. Um, some happened when Slew switched to his zone, but still, you know, that that defensive rebounding margin's got to be higher against a team like um, uh, Davidson. They, they just You just can't let up offensive rebounds like that to them. But Zach... One other thing I noticed in this game, the, the scoring was really spread out here. I thought it was a good good team effort offensively. Yeah, Pickett, unbelievable. Uh, just, uh, I mean, like, just ridiculous float game in this one. Uh, yeah, teardrop after a teardrop. Yeah, it was wild. I, I mean, it's almost to the point where I just, I'm like really, really comfortable even with the most ridiculous floater shot from him. Um, he just seems to to swish everything. He's just got the right touch. Uh, Perkins was uh was percolating in this one. Uh, you know, I think he had that ridiculous circus shot that uh had uh had all the makings of a of a dagger in the heart of Davidson and and right. one. I still don't know how that didn't make uh uh Sports Center top ten. Uh, yeah, because that, that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it was a cool finish. Uh, Jimerson was, was good. I thought, uh, Hargrove was unbelievable in this one, comparatively speaking. He was, yeah. I mean, you wind up Perkins 13, Collins 12, Jimerson 11, Hargrove 9, Okoro 8. Everybody's involved there. Hargrove was good. He He's given us good minutes in every game lately. Okoro was good too, but he just couldn't stay out of foul trouble. Forrester was just a mess in this one. Um, he still winds up with eight rebounds and it was two of three for the field, but four turnovers and man, it felt more like six. Um, four turnovers, by the way, is how many turnovers Davidson had in the entire game. Um, when, when you're not forcing turnovers, you really have to be very, very good in other facets of the game. You have to be shooting well. Um, I, I don't know how we don't force any turnovers. We let up that many offensive rebounds and we still get away with one. Uh, that can't happen if we're having a 
you know, even average shooting night. What what do you do? You, what do you think the reason is for the lack of turnovers? Do you think it's poor defense? Do you think it's the strategy of the defense? Um, I mean, we really aren't a ball hawking team. I know that's kind of obvious to say. Uh, yeah. We're definitely not a Majerus disrupt the passing lane team. No, not at all. Uh, I mean, do you think it's just by design? I guess so. I mean, we, but we, it makes me wonder now too, like how much of that was because of a guy like Jordan Goodwin, who, who just, he, who, he just creates, he's a one-on-one uh, wizard in terms of, of, of getting guys to cough the ball up. Um, I, I wonder what our, our steel numbers would have been like without him in, in you know, in, in those, those years. Um, but regardless, yeah, I mean, I, I think it is just, it's a combination of personnel and scheme. Uh, I don't think we have a lot of length. There aren't many times where we're the the longer of the two teams, you know. Um, I, we just, we're, we're clearly not doing anything to disrupt passing lanes. And then one-on-one, we just don't have those kind of guys who hawk the ball like uh, like like Goodwin did. Um, uh, I know I, I did an, think an exception, but. I, I did think we ha- should have had probably two more steals in this one that maybe were called for fouls. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. Larry Hughes had one, maybe, and I know Yuri might have had one in there, uh, or Pickett. Uh, but I will say the the steal by Yuri Collins, uh, I think it was in the second half on Menanga, where he read that perfectly. He knew exactly what that action was going to be and where they wanted to get that ball, and he helped off his man and jumped that lane. Uh, yeah, and, and stole. I just thought that was great coaching. Uh, great pre- preparation. Uh, I don't think we uh, we talk ab- enough when there is a play like that where it's obviously prepared for and and scouted. Uh, yeah. So I think Travis Ford and and staff need to be given credit there. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I think this is probably a game. Not that he's the guy who who generates the most steals, but I think Thatch really would have helped anchor the defense on this game. I don't know if you agree on that, but. I kind of felt like he was a bit of a missing piece in this one. It's interesting because you can sit here and and say, well, if Thatch doesn't go out with an injury, Parker doesn't have his little renaissance he's having. Perkins isn't, you know, it's not sink or swim with Perkins. Like, hey, buddy, kind of, kind of time to do something here. Uh, same with Yuri Collins being sick. Uh, I really don't know. I, I don't know what to make. I, I Obviously, I'm a huge Fred Thatch fan, both uh, personally and on the basketball court. Uh, but I, I really like where this team is trending offensively. I just wish that we could find some way to be better defensively with the current roster. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's, you know, it's something they're aware of, you know, Stu wrote an article about this. Um, gosh, what, like a, a month or two ago about like our, our, our lack of forcing these, um, so yeah, I don't know what it is. You know, we we wind up with seven more turnovers than them in in, in this game. Not that eleven's a bad number, but on their floor, you know, where they they wind up with five fewer fouls than us, um, that, it means that Davidson had thirteen extra field goals in this game um, compared to Slew. That's a that's a big difference. You've got to be a lot better <laughs> shooting the ball if you're going to have thirteen fewer attempts. It's just um, it's just like that. So. It do be. Like I, I I don't I don't I don't know what the answer is there, Zach. I really don't. Um, you you uh you had a bone to pick with this Lenardi segment in the in, oh the, in the second half. Yeah, I, mean, I I hate anytime he's on. 
I really I, do. I, I, we talked about Lunardi a few weeks ago when he was doing play. I guess that what was that St. Joe's yeah. where he was actually the the color commentator and man was he annoying. But um, he calls in on this one and we've never had sound quality that bad. I mean, it's it sounded like he was calling from like a he, he's embedded with the troops. Yeah, I mean, he's like, yeah, like, he, he was, like a like a phone tied to a box, some like a, <laughs> like a backpack. He had a backpack phone on. So he, was, he sounded he was calling from horrible. Wonder Woman eighty four, and but they let him talk for like five minutes. It was like a whole segment between commercials that he talked about bracketology for. Um, by the way, as if the A ten is is really a, a multi bid league right now. I think it is, man. Uh, but I will say I agree. I hate maybe. to admit it. But if he's going to come on and, and give us a little brief of of, of that, you got to be able to even understand what he's saying. I, Absolutely. I, uh, the one one kind of really besides a lot of memes curse, out of this one. Exactly. Besides lifting the curse, we did have kind of a fun new. Uh, I don't know. Do you call it a meme or what do you call this? Zach? I, I I don't know. I don't think. I think it's a meme. I don't think it's reached a trend yet. I think uh, the SLU students for sure should do this. For, to do the Tate uh, unreal video out of the Billiken locker room. If you haven't seen this video, uh, I'm not, I can't play it on YouTube because they'll strike our channel. Um, but basically he, it's to, uh, I just want to rock by Lil Uzi Vert is the song. Uh, and Tate's outside the door of this shanty locker room. Uh, and he's hyped up. Decides to to it was time for tarps off, uh, rips off his shirt and dances to the song. I I mean it was just amazing. And then of course, uh, Gaines tweets on Twitter uh, decided he was gonna <laughs> he was gonna do it himself and uh, just with a an absolutely uh, perfect impression. And then I forget there was a cut. Yeah, Michael Gaines did it, and then. Uh, one more other guy did it. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I should have saved it. And then I decided to do it the next day. I don't know. I did. I did neither of them justice. Uh, all th- none of them. You have a it, different physique than some of the guys. Do it was this. Jack Armstrong who did it. And he also Jack, did an yeah. awesome. He also did a really, really good one. But I, 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 I honestly, I think they should change the, the intro music to, I just want to rock. I think they should just dub this song over it mm. um but yeah i think pete I, I think this bodes well for the billikens right every st louis sports team and i'm sure this is something that happens in every city but every st louis championship team has had their rally cry right you had the 99 <laughs> rams with the bob and weave you had the 11 cardinals with the rally squirrel the 2018-19 billikens i think and people can correct me if i'm wrong here they had the hard hats. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nineteen blues had Gloria. Uh, uh, do do the Billikens of twenty twenty two twenty three have do the Tate and I just want to rock. If hey, if it works, if it helps us win games, if it helps us hold on to first place, do whatever you got to do. I'll take it, it. This sort of thing just feels like one of those things that you rally around. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. Corey Tate whipping off his, sh- you know, ripping off his shirt in the locker room, like. Uh, it's it's a vibe. We have thing, such right? weird coaches. 
<laughs> it's a vibes thing. You're it's all about the vibe. vibe. It's a the great vibe, vibe thing. The vibe was off the hook. It right. really was. I've been I've been bumping that song since uh since that video came out. Uh is the curse officially over? Uh my guy in the 55 Davidson jersey thinks so. Uh he was <laughs> distraught. It looks like uh he I've never seen a like this face on this kid is ridiculous. Why don't you share? Can you share this on yeah, YouTube while you do this? Hold on. So, so Zach's on. gonna share this. It's gonna take a minute. Uh, but I want to just to to sum this one up. Slu now moves to seven and one in the A10, and it kind of doesn't feel like it, uh, just because you know you've got that early loss to UMass. There's a lot of ugly wins. Um, I could be wrong. There's a lot of other people saying they like the way the teams look lately. They think they're having fun. They're playing well. Um, there's to me, there's a lot to clean up. And now Zach has our crying Davidson fan on here. This and is just insane. He's doing this in the first half, right before Davidson takes the lead. Um, there, there's so much to love in this photo too, because you've got, you've got guy on the left. Who's just not having it. He he's, he's had enough of these three that he's sitting next to. Yeah. Uh, you've got, You've got guy on the le- to the left of, of of sleeveless that looks like he's stoned out of his mind, and then to the right looks like he's tripping balls, uh, and then this guy looks like somebody just shot his dog. Uh, I mean, yeah. that's literally like he's got like like this is the gr- uh, this is the face of a man in the middle of a war. He's yeah, he's he's afraid for his life right there. Uh, I I gotta say, I mean, like I somebody. I don't remember who was saying it. The the Davidson's student body, they look like the bad guys in every 80s comedy. <laughs> uh I think that's absolutely true. They do have that like the 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 slobs versus snobs. They're the yeah. preppy jerks. Uh that's what they bring to the league. They're the country club school. Um, you know, it's just <laughs> I think it's just who Davidson is. M- and, Menanga, and- Menanga looks like uh Ike or John Barenholtz from Superstore. Uh, Grant Huffman looks like Dave Franco. Dave Franco, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it, the 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 memes write themselves with this team. They do. This is not a likable, uh, a not 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 always the most likable team to play I, against. I think the best part about the giveaway was that it was like a street look, like the, the oh, two tone yeah, jersey, yeah, very right. street look ish, and you're putting it on just a bunch of suburban kids. Like it's just very, right. very the juxtaposition of that is just uh insane. Yeah, you're right. But but what a what an absolute just amazing way to spend Friday 10. <laughs> this game has delivered, you know, like a lot of the other um uh Friday 10 games, it really has delivered. Uh Slew moves to seven and one in the A10. Uh doesn't necessarily feel like it at all. I think there's you know, a lot of negativity still around the program. Uh, you know, you combination of that early loss at UMass, uh, some ugly wins. Uh, I, I think this team looks like they're at least having fun again. Um, but I see a lot of people out there jokingly or not talking about how we're set up for a Fordham letdown. We're going to go to to Rose Hill and get beat. And of course, just ruin our day. Pete, what do you think about this from fans? I, I, is it self-deprecation or something a little more uh uh less than stellar vibey? 
Um, it's a slew fan thing. It's a, you know, recent history and, and all of our history, you know, like we're like, we've gone over this before. We're always waiting for that other shoe to drop. It's always. Two what does steps that phrase forward. mean? I never know what that phrase means. Like what's the I, origin of that phrase? I, I wasn't prepared to speak on the etymology <laughs> of, of a colloquialism. In this. So I'm just going to go right through it. I don't know. Um, but no, I mean, like, we're just, we're used to like when things are going well, something pops our balloon. We're just used to it. It just happens. Uh, that's all it is. It's conditioning. Of course. Uh, plus, is. and we're going to Pavlov. We're, we're Pavlov's Billikens. Yeah. I mean, and we'll get into it soon, but you know, Fordham's actually pretty good this year. Um, but just as importantly as being seven and one in first in the A10, we've got five of our nine road games out of the way. The four left to go, uh, Fordham, Dayton, Richmond, VCU. It's a tough bunch. Um, how do you, I, I don't know. How do you, how do you feel here? I mean, like four and one in our first five road games, I think is pretty good. You know, like as much as I would like to look at all five of those and go, yeah, those are teams we should beat. Mm-hmm. Um, we we know that we've never historically played well on the road in the A10, and um, I think four and one's pretty good. Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy with the way things are going. Obviously, people will say it's a it's the lighter side of the schedule, but it's also dense. Um, and, and I think our team is waking up. We, we've we've had we've I don't want to say a corner has been turned, but at least like we've ta- we've veered a little bit. <laughs> We've taken like a side street to right. a, you know a better neighborhood, um, but I I I like where this team's trending. If this team can clean up the defense, uh, the, I, it's sky's the limit for for what we're capable of going forward. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think uh, we're playing. I don't know. It's 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 been an uneven season. Everything about it. I think there there are things that you know, we could be doing better, but I'll take four and one on the road. I'm okay with that. Um, Around the A-10, Pete, um, Tuesday, the 24th, Davidson beats LaSalle 64-57. Uh, Wednesday, uh, an OT game between the, the soon-to-be artist formerly known as the Colonials versus the St. Joe's Hawks. 92-91, George Washington takes it. Uh, UMass beats Richmond 85 76 looks like um, uh, Frank Martin's little uh, little spiel uh, maybe got to his guys a little bit <laughs> we went deep on that before and uh, yeah apparently it worked and I got drunk last night and decided to tweet about it um, <laughs> Duquesne Loyola uh, the the DoorDash hoax game if you will uh were you watching this one did you see this live or did you did. when did you no, see this? I, I i saw this after the fact i saw you you and some other people were texting me about it before i ever saw what was actually going on uh so no i didn't why why don't you run us through this uh this so doordash so, whatever it was here so 72 58 win for Duquesnes one Man, the the what what hurts me so much about this one is how genuinely fucking fun. Oh Jesus, uh, genuinely funny it is, um, and how uh, like to go like to learn that it was fake. It was just like you find finding out that like, I don't know, the tooth fairy isn't real. Uh, it is just so sad to me. <laughs> By the way, we should probably put a two disclaimers there. 
one for ruining ch- childhood and one for uh for language um yeah man yeah this so is, it's gonna be a tough one to take my kids to school if uh oh, this episode's the plan uh so so this guy just decides he well he walks out on the court he's carrying a mcdonald's bag and a mcdonald's drink and looking co- totally confused as though he's trying to deliver doordash to a person courtside uh everyone kind of took it at face value originally in the moment and uh but it turns out it was just a TikTok YouTube thing. Uh, I do don't go on the court at a bath. Like uh, th- these guys have worked their entire life to this point. Like it's not the time to prank them. Right. Uh, I, I, first of all, pranks have jumped the shark with YouTube and TikTok. that, that they have basically killed the idea of a prank. If you film a prank, you're an idiot. Um, just do the prank in the moment and move on. Uh, I yeah, just, the, but I also, I, I don't like the premise of this one. No. Like the, the, the first thing I thought of before I knew anything about it was just like, you can't order DoorDash in a ticketed event, like a, a like an arena, like you don't show up at a gate at an arena, yeah. arena and be like, I have McDonald's for someone. They just go, go away. Like, no, you, this isn't, you know, like, that's not how it works. You can't yeah. like, we have concessions. You're not allowed to bring in outside food. You, you, you aren't going to buy a ticket just to deliver someone's food. The premise of the joke is dumb. Like I immediately had like these questions, like this has something's going on here. Something's not right. Like, it's just the, like the, if the very premise is not realistic. Uh, no, you know, you're right. You're right. It, but it I just will doesn't say, make sense. I, I will say though that, you know, I think we, you and I come from a world where we are always going to games and arenas. Uh, and not necessarily uh, arenas attached to student centers uh, like Loyola. Like I could see being able to order food to that game. Like it, it like, because it's, you know, I could order it to the student center, um, but they would never come courtside. I'm sure of it. Although late in the game, like then nobody may be paying attention either. So um, it's it just, it's a stupid prank. Uh, pranks are stupid in general, uh, unless you're just like, I, I mean, obviously this one was technically harmless, but again, you had the op- the chance that it, it you know, security has got to do better too, obviously. Right. And then Duquesne said after the game, like we're, we're changing our security policies, you know, we're beefing up security, uh, which is, it's, it's funny, you know, that the, this is the outcome of this dumb prank, but um, I, I hope this idiot got the attention he wanted. Yeah, a lot of weird stuff happening in in A10 basketball this week. Um VCU beats George Mason 72-52. Uh they're coming coming on strong, putting up big numbers uh this week. Uh Fordham 79, Bottom Venture 68. Uh Fordham wins for the first time ever at St. Bonaventure, I believe. Uh really? or first time in a long time. I think it's right. since like the the early two thousands or nineties. Uh, Dayton eighty six, Richmond sixty, uh, UMass eighty seven, Duquesne seventy nine. Wait, you, you skipped a few here. You oh. skipped a few. Fordham St. Bonaventure. Then you oh, got sorry. Rhode, yeah, go back to Rhode, Rhode Island. Island versus Dayton. Oh no, uh, seventy five to seventy. Archie Miller gets his revenge against UD. Yeah, he sure does. Um, 
shocking result quite honestly i kind of uh, I, I i was like yeah this will probably be the one if they're gonna lay an egg it's gonna be against archie well if you know i if he got his revenge um i hope jake forrester gets his revenge against archie absolutely uh, yeah. let's make it happen um saturday the 28th as i said uh rhode island 72 lasalle 70 uh i i just don't know what to do with like the the cluster f that is this like the bottom of the cover there's it's very much just a bunch of teams cannibalizing each other there are one two three four five six teams that are four and five right now in conference like what when they play each other it's a coin flip you like there's there's no way to predict what's going on in this league sick oh conference (laughs) uh fordham 85 gw 70 wow uh Dayton 86 Richmond 60 uh Richmond uh clearly uh you know drew the ire of Dayton after the mm. Rhode Island debacle uh and of course Dayton moves up like 30 spots for that win in that uh UMass 87 Duquesne 79 Bonaventure 61 VCU 58 my goodness Peter uh this some league man Bonaventure has been a miserable road team and VCU is a good home team. I, 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 I just, what a perplexing result. Uh, Sunday, the 29th. Uh, I watched this game while doing two hours on the treadmill, Peter. And I got to tell you it uh, laughing while running is difficult. Um, this game was so terrible. Uh, 79, 76 St. Joe's beats George Mason. Uh, th- in my mind, Peter, this one, was a classic example of two different things, a game nobody wanted to win and consistent poor decision-making. I mean, we lament Yuri Collins driving into trouble a lot and, you know, forcing things. Oh my God. I don't even know what this dude's name is on St. Joe's that just for five straight minutes, he just decided their offense was going to be him going to the basket right away. As soon as he crossed half court, I, I don't get it. Like what does Billy Lang do up there? It's a good question, Zach. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I I did not see this one. Um, I I not that I was necessarily doing anything I wanted to do. I think I was at at the time this game was going on. I think I was at a, a child's birthday party, a six year old's birthday party. Uh, I don't know which is worse, but but from the sounds of it, it sounds like maybe this game was. Yeah, it wasn't good. Uh, Pete, Survivor picks. We're not doing so hot, man. It, we the first few weeks I felt like we were pretty good at we this. Were chalk, right? like we man. started we started really well, uh, but we've fallen off a cliff lately. Um, you had Dayton over GW on the twenty first, and that loss put you into the second chance bracket. I had Duquesne over Fordham on the twenty first, and I'm out. I'm 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 done with this. But luckily, the podcast had Davidson over LaSalle on the twenty fourth, and barely pulled that one out. Uh, this week, Zach. What what happened on your uh, your second chance bracket pick here? Yeah, two just absolute horrendous beats in a row for me, Pete. Uh, <laughs> I had VCU over Bonaventure. Clearly, that lost, and I am out. Podcast has Richmond over Bonaventure on the first of February, uh, so I will be keeping tabs on that one. Obviously, uh, what yeah. what day is that? Is that a February first? Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Uh, or, yeah, 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 you're right. Tuesday, uh, um, Wednesday. 
So yeah. So hopefully the podcast can hang on in the second chance bracket. So it's just, it's just Pete and I putting our heads together and, uh, and trying to come up with a winner. Uh, yep. Pete, let's talk about this Fordham game. It's where the, the low night or the lone game of uh, Tuesday night in the A-10. Billikens Rams at historic Rose Hill Gymnasium. Uh, they've been packing that place up there. They have, and you don't need a lot of people to do that. But the reason they're doing that, Zach, what if I told you heading into this season that Fordham by the time we played them would be 17 and four, uh, even against a pretty weak schedule. I'm betting you would not have believed me. Not a chance in hell, Peter. No, no. And, and again, not a good schedule, right? I mean, they, they, their four losses. One was to at the time, number 10, Arkansas. That's a, that's a good one, but they come into um, conference play with a 12 and one record. Um, you know, if I'm, there are some like halfway decent wins here at Tulane, it's a pretty good win. Um, other than that, I don't think there's a whole lot here that really helps your strength of schedule, especially because they only left home twice uh, for that Arkansas game and the Tulane game. Um, everything else was at home, kind of shockingly. Harvard, you know, decent team. Everybody else, I'm looking through the Zach, they didn't really beat anybody, but still. They're Fordham. They've always been at the bottom of our conference and they've lost to a lot of teams like this, the kind of teams that you would think everybody in our conference would beat. So all they do to start out the league is lose to Davidson and Rhode Island back to back. Um, they lost to Dayton in their fourth game. So they start one and three in the league. And now they're on a four game winning streak, including three uh, road wins in a row at LaSalle at Duquesne and at St. Bonaventure. Um, a couple of those are kind of tough places to play. And then they um, they just beat George Washington, like you said, at home by 15 this week. I think the, the main reason here when I'm looking at Fordham is, is what's changed year over year. It's not just Quisenberry anymore. We know who Darius Quisenberry is. He's a senior. He was one of the leading scorers in the league last year. They added a guy, Khalid Moore, um, a senior transfer out of Georgia Tech. Um, he's, I think he's technically a grad transfer. It's his fifth year. And Quisenberry is averaging about 17. Uh, Moore has come in, and he's a 6'7", 200-pound forward. Um, he's, he, I believe he's local, too. He's kind of from the New York area. And he's averaging 15 and 7. Um, he's been absolutely what they needed as kind of the the 1A to, to Quisenberry, um, whereas it was just kind of Quisenberry and everybody else last year. Um, the rest of the roster, you know, they kind of spread the scoring out. Um, there's nothing that really jumps off the page here in terms of what they do. They do have one guy, uh, Will Richardson, who's a freshman who's kind of been playing well lately. Um, and he's a guy that SLU actually recruited, a, a guy SLU offered out of high school. Um, if it, you know, just seems like everybody in the A10 has one of those. Um, in terms of what Fordham does well, um, again, there's not a whole lot to point at that's like this is who this team's identity is. They're a pretty good rebounding team. They're a really good free throw shooting team. Um, they do actually block a lot of shots. Other than that, you know, there, there's nothing offensively that 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 really jumps out at you. You've got those two players. It kind of goes through them. Um, and I, I think, I think we're going to have to have the kind of game here, Zach, where the defensive lapses just don't happen like they have um, recently. You know, we're going into a, a a gym of a team that's that's playing with a lot of 
positive vibes lately. A lot of good mojo. Um, they're a veteran team. You know, the top five are all seniors and juniors. Um, they've got, uh, they've, they've got, I, I don't know how to say his last name, Nowitzki. Um, he's a 6'10", 225-pound guy. Um, you know, Eastern European dude. He's a second-year player. And, um, you know, good rebounder, good shot blocker. I think he's going to be a little bit of a matchup problem for uh, uh, for our five men. Um, but, uh, you know, look, this is a team. They haven't really been super battle-tested. Um, the A-10 for them represents a really big jump up in their strength of schedule. Um, but they've really been hold- – they've, they've played a ton of home games, and they've been holding serve at home. And I think we we have to be ready to go in there – and play very low mistake, low error basketball um, with a lot of toughness against these guys. And uh, you got to hope that whoever's guarding Quisenberry and Moore um, is up to the task. We've got to stay out of foul trouble. You know, um, Yuri's got to be smart in this one. And uh, I, you know, I think we can get it done. I know you're probably more confident than I am going into this one. Um, but but we we need this one, you know. Like we we if if we're gonna get some more road wins, you look you look at what we've got left, and it's them and it's VCU and it's Richmond and Dayton, and this is the one that that jumps off as being the most obvious uh, candidate for another road win. Um, so would love to see SLU pick off another one here. Yeah, and I think if we win this game, obviously it's been talked about by multiple people uh, that it'll be a packed house on Friday. Yeah, if we that's right. if we bring this one home, yeah, for VCU and SLU at Shafe, that's right. Uh, speaking of VCU, let's get right in to actually Pete. Before we get into that VCU preview, and it is a awesome Friday ten preview. Uh, let's talk about two men in a garden, Pete. Yeah, we really do need to, and I want to remind everybody that um, the NFL playoffs are here. Um, and you, you, you need a, a well-stocked fridge for that. I think you can do that at twomenandagarden.com. Um, Zach, I don't know if you've been over there lately, but I find myself doing a lot more browsing of kind of those partner products that we've been talking it about a little fun. bit lately. It, 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 there's just a lot of fun stuff on here. And uh, we, we, we always talk about how you've got to have your salsa, your pickles ready They've got these uh, River City craft cocktail syrups, and I don't know about you, but maybe it's a maybe it's a thing where, as as my friends and I are getting a little bit older, I have friends now who like legitimately are great at making cocktails. Like I would put them up against pretty well trained bartenders, and um, I feel like, you know, as you get older, you got to have a well stocked uh, a, a bar cart, so to speak, with a lot of uh, a lot of variations here. And I'm curious about these River City uh, craft cocktail syrups. I kind of want to give a couple of these a shot, uh, see what I'm capable of at home. Um, they've got a lot more product partner stuff over here. My mom lately is all about the hot honey. They've got um, a, a couple, uh, the Blessed Bee Honey uh, Company that does a lot of different flavored honeys. Check those out too. Um, but you can find all of this and more, twomenandagarden.com and go to their kitchen hub to see uh to see what other products they've got for you besides their own uh excellent pickles and salsas. Yeah, I I absolutely love that they have all these products and I I got when I got a chance to head into their facility I I grabbed a bunch of different stuff. So 
Very, I, I eat a lot of chicken, so I, I'd love to see what kind of spices they had or like spice blends. Um, cause I keep a pretty, uh, hefty, uh, stock of those. So, um, we talked to, uh, Connor Bailey of the black and gold fan podcast. Uh, it's a VCU podcast there. It's their first year. Uh, but we got to speak with him. It's a great preview and I'm going to send it over to that right now. Billiken fans, uh, we are getting ready to pre- uh, preview uh, Friday 10. Uh, Billikens versus VCU Rams, 6 o'clock Central Time on ESPN 2. Is it on the Deuce, Pete? I don't know. Uh, one of the two channels. Uh, we have Connor Bailey from the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Connor, thanks for joining us on such short notice. Guys, I appreciate the uh, the shout out, man. Um you know, it's college basketball season and, uh, you know, I don't, you know, you could ask me six days in advance or, you know, a couple, one hour in advance. I'm ready to go, especially when it's Friday 10, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Go ahead, Pete. Well, so, uh, so yeah, this one, um, VCU is kind of, this is going to be an interesting one, right? Because a lot of people were looking at this as kind of a potential uh, first place battle, but I guess VCU kind of had a little stumble heading into this one. I, and sorry to go there right away, <laughs> but I gotta, I gotta know what's up. What's up with that Bonaventure loss? I, I was there last night in our most recent podcast, which, uh, th- Thursday evening, our m- most recent episode, uh, I, I mentioned, Hey, we're on a six game win streak. Uh, five of those six wins haven't even been close. The only close one was really the, the miracle Dayton win, uh, two Friday tens ago. Uh, but I, in my podcast, in our episode, I said, we're going to have a game. I'm not even going to count the St. Louis or the Dayton. The two St. Louis games or the Dayton game remaining. Those are going to be close games. But we're going to have a game against a team that's, in theory, inferior. And we're just going to have to grind our way to a win. I didn't think it was going to happen last night. I thought Bonaventure, one win away from home against a bad Notre Dame team. I thought, I didn't think we were going to win by 30. I thought we'd, even we were up five and a half, I thought we were going to wear them out. And uh, it just never did. Mark Schmidt outcoached our team. Um, we missed two front ends of one and ones right before the first half and at, in the last minute and a half. Um, but yeah, man, last night's ride home. I, I live about 10 minutes from the Stuart C. Siegel Center and uh, that ride home stunk. It was it was a bummer. <laughs> it, yeah. It's funny that you mentioned like, oh, we're going to have and, and I actually have it in the notes for later in our show uh, when we get into the Davidson game, because it's funny how you're saying like, oh, I we're you know, we're five and whatever and we're going to have we're due for a for a letdown game and, and if Billiken fans are doing the same thing right now, oh, and yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've become fascinated with this, this phenomenon of, of fans thinking that things are uh, unique to their team, much like people think like, tr- like construct road construction is unique to their city, but it's everywhere. Like, but every uh, fan base goes through the same thing. Every fan base laments the, the long offensive droughts you know uh the the dumb turnovers like uh, you know we looked at like our last game yuri had like two or three really bad turnovers in a row and then i'm watching george mason and st joe's today and it's the same oh my god and you're like but yeah it's so interesting i mean uh you know how do you like uh, you know when you have such high expectations on your team when you know for vcu as a vcu fan um how do you how are you guys staying you know positive through that so uh yeah i've been a fan my whole life i'm I'm 30 years old i've been watching basketball since i was eight and uh pretty much since 
2007, Anthony Grant's first year as VCU head coach. We've been I forget very that. good. He's I forget excellent. That. We, we beat we beat Duke in 07. He was the head coach. Um, talk talk about, talk about him later if you want. But uh, you know, pretty much since 06 07, we've had like we've only had two years. We haven't won 20 games since then. Uh, not we won 19 games in the 20. 2020-2021 season, but we went 19-7 made the tournament that year, so that's a little different, but uh, two full seasons where we haven't won 20 games, so we've always found ways to be good, uh, but you kind of mentioned, like, turnovers and stuff, and I got, we, we shot bad in the foul line last night against St. Bonaventure. I can't remember the exact stat, um, but the big thing was was the front-end ones-to-ones, but um, I, yeah, I have friends that are like, oh, we're, you know, we're so bad from the three-point line. Coming into last night, we were leading the A-10 in conference play, shooting threes. <laughs> we were the best team, so it's one of those things, it's kind of like it's Every fan base, especially if you're not great every year, like a Kansas or someone, it, it's a lot of woe is me. <laughs> like, Pro- yeah, proximity right. bias that we are dog shit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, you know, no, we can all agree. No one's as bad as Dayton fans with that. They're they're, they're the worst, but and I love them. Too. I love talking to Dayton fans, but they're they're the worst woe is me. But uh, you, you mentioned just kind of, you know, I have, you know, I have friends that are like, man, you know, in the Rhodes era, we we stink from the foul line. I'm like, dude, I've watched VCU basketball my whole life. We've always been bad from the foul line. We're always bad. You kind of mentioned like excuses. It's like, oh, if we would have made three more free throws, we would have gone to overtime. It doesn't work like that. You know, the, the game the game changes. It, the, it's just because we lost by three points doesn't mean if we would have made one more three, we would have gone to overtime. You know, it doesn't work like that. Uh, no, I I I won't buy that because it it helps me uh, get over the eleven twelve loss to Michigan State in the second round. The Rob Rablo airballing a three that would have changed the game. Like I I I'm sticking to that. But you know, I watched that game. I was so VCU. That was my freshman year at VCU twenty eleven twelve. That's our last year in the CAA. We played. We were a twelve seed. We played Wichita State. Beat them in the first round. Lost Indiana by two in the second round. So this is the Sunday of the tournament. I was at the Phoenix airport with my dad watching St. Louis play Michigan state at like a Chili's or like Applebee's or Fridays, oh, whatever, like the best random... part of an airport. Yeah. We're, we're sitting, we're in the Phoenix airport waiting to fly back from Phoenix to, to like Charlotte or DC. And I mean, it's, we just lost the day beforehand by two to Indiana. I'm tired. I remember watching that game and we were a CAA team then. We weren't, we hadn't even joined the A-10 yet. So when there was no allegiance to the, the conference, but uh, so just a little fun fact about what you just said. <laughs> Still rooting for the underdog. I'm sure. Of course, you know, I don't, I don't want like Sparty and heck, I, you know, unfortunately, I never got to see a chance, never got to see VCU play against Majerus uh, in the A10, but in the CBI championship in 2010, he, they came to the Seagull Center. We won game one at the Seagull Center. Uh, it's still funny to me that VCU and St. Louis played in the CBI title game, <laughs> or, right? Uh, title series, excuse me. <laughs> sure. Clarify that. <laughs> so, but yeah, of course, I was rooting for St. Louis then. So I want to talk about expectations coming into the season versus performance you know to date so far um it it felt like between slew and dayton we were arguing back and forth about whose conference this was going to be this year and vcu was always kind of the one who was like no you know like like we're 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 right there too and it's funny because all three teams have kind of it's felt like disappointed their fan bases to some degree this season and yet all three of them are right there you know right now maybe not in the way we thought we would be but kind of in the hunt for those top three or so spots. Um, and I'm looking through your schedule right now and you get out to like a five and four start. Right. And, and that last, that fourth is a loss to Jacksonville. And I'm just kind of wondering overall checkup, how's the, how's this season going? You know, like the non-conference clearly didn't go quite how you want it. Maybe it, it, it ended with a few wins. 
Um, and, and what are the things you think VCU is doing well this season and where have you guys underperformed? So you mentioned kind of expectations coming into the season. Uh, you're right. It was pretty much any rating, whether it be within the A10 media or NCAA media, it was constantly St. Louis or Dayton. Uh, my preseason pick was actually St. Louis. I know a lot of people picked Dayton. Um, I still had some concerns about Dayton's depth. Uh, but that, I I thought VCU was like, if you put both of them one, I thought VCU was 1A. I thought VCU was miles ahead of everyone else. But losing Vince Williams to graduation and Keyshawn Curry to graduation, Vince Williams is a second-round draft pick. You know, it's you know, you guys, you guys lost Jordan Goodwin a couple of years. It's hard to replace an NBA player. Uh, so I, I did think that we were, they were right there. Just maybe it would take time to gel. But uh, you mentioned the out-of-conference. Uh, we picked up a great win at the Barclays Center against Pitt. Uh, I was that was my 30th birthday week, and I, I got to see that game live, which was pretty cool. Um, and that was without Ace Baldwin, which was huge. And I know it was funny. We beat Pitt, and a lot of St. Louis fans on Twitter were like, hey, we beat Pitt a couple of years ago. <laughs> or no, I think you guys lost Pitt by two a couple of years ago, right? It was when French missed a couple free throws. Yeah, we lost that yeah. one. We I think yeah. in that event, we beat Seton Hall and lost to Pitt or something That's like what that. I, yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember a bunch of SLU fans were like, trust me, beating Pitt doesn't do anything for, for you. And then Pitt's good, Pitt's good team this year. Right. Pitt, Pitt hasn't been win. good forever, man. It's a shame, man. I grew up watching Big East games on the East Coast, and they were great my whole life. But uh, but Pitt's a potential tournament team right now. Uh, one of the Slu probably has the Slu has the best win in Providence in the out of conference. VCU, it, Memphis won two, and then Pitt's probably the third best win for the, for the A ten out of conference. Um, but you mentioned the games. Then we go to Memphis and kind of get hammered. We lose by fifteen, and honestly, it's a twenty point loss. We barely beat Kennesaw State, who actually is okay this year. But I mean, we needed like a prayer. And then we beat Vanderbilt mainly because Jerry Stackhouse got canned. Um, by the way, if you saw, do you see that viral video from like the stands of him getting a- escorted out? Because that was 100% for my phone. Adam, who <laughs> is my, who's our main host, like tweeted it because I sent him the, so like we had like 40,000 views on Twitter. It was pretty fun. Just hope everyone knows that. That's, that's courtesy of my phone. Uh, but then we went up to Temple, a, a mediocre at best Temple team. They're 14 and nine this year. They beat Houston, but they're still mediocre. I, I went up with my dad and, Played like crap. Give up 83 points to a team that two weeks before that scored 49 against Richmond. Um, and then Jacksonville, that's one of the worst. Um, I know, I know, I bet you guys can imagine there's been some some rough games at St. Louis for good good St. Louis teams. You've you've experienced some rough home games, just like mm-hmm. where you just don't show up. Jacksonville's definitely top five worst home experience I've ever, received, ever had in my life. I mean, we had no aggression. Jalen Deloach didn't play, but it, it, the team didn't look like they cared. They, 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 they didn't look like they had, knew they had a basketball game that night. Um, and then we, we won a few games against Howard and Radford, kind of just eked our way through wins. And then it was Northern Illinois and Navy. We kind of got rolling. Um, so in a nutshell, I, I went into conference play. I thought this was an 11-7 or 12-6 and BCU team, which could finish third or fourth maybe. I still thought St. Louis looked far on the best in A-10, even – for you know the the stinker against SIU Edwardsville and, and whatnot, I still thought St. Louis looked the best, and I thought Dayton would find a way if they got healthy to get there. Um, then we open a ten play, and it's we beat LaSalle by thirteen on New Year's Eve, but didn't look that good. We lost to Duquesne, pretty much got dominated. Um, then it was a six game win streak. One of them, one of them was the miracle at Dayton, which was awesome. Trust me. But uh, regarding expectations, I preseason I picked us to go about thirteen and five in a ten preseason November. Three A ten play had us about eleven and seven, twelve and six. Right now we're seven and two. Uh, still got to play Slew twice. Still got to play Dayton at home. Um, but just like St. Louis, just like Dayton, 
a team that can easily finish between 13 and five and 15 and three and finish first, second or third. Um, so I feel good. Uh, the bottom metric game stunk. Don't get me wrong. It was, it was, it was a bummer that Mark Schmidt's a great coach. I, I won't deny that, but it, it was, it was a stinker, but 16 and 16 and six overall seven and two in conference play. I think it's slightly better than I thought we'd be this year. You mentioned the, 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 the game against Edwardsville for SLU. And I think that one was absolutely a, a product of matchup issues. Barone, the coach over there is a huge matchup guy. He's always mm-hmm. trying to find the mismatch uh, in his favor. And I think it was a nightmare uh, situation. We don't, we, at the time we didn't really have a four. And even now we're running with either when we do need a four, it's either Terrence Hargrove who has been a revelation since coming back from some personal uh, men- mental issues, I guess you want to say mm-hmm. uh, it's been publicized, but um, you know, I- I'm curious. That leads me to my question about what what is the matchup nightmare for VCU? Like, what kind of team do you not want to see VCU play in the NCAA tournament if they get there? We've struggled against big, big guys. And when I mean big, I'm talking just major size. Like, I mean, Deron Holmes is a very good – when I mean big, I'm talking like heavy, <laughs> like, like a freight train. Uh, Deron Holmes is an excellent big man. He can He can play our message that night at Dayton, we were like, Hey, we're going to go, we're going to double team the whole night. Kamara had 27 points and he kicked our butt last year too. Um, but Holmes didn't Holmes for the most part, didn't really hurt us that much. Uh, but I look at when we played Kennesaw state this year, we barely beat them. They had a really big guy, Rob, I forgot his last name, but he was about six, seven, two seventy, And he just was pummeling us all night at like 14 points and 12 rebounds last night, Chad Venning for St. Bonaventure. He just, I don't know if it's Jalen Deloach is a very good athlete. His brother plays football at Florida State. Jalen Deloach is long, can match up with a guy like Holmes, but Chad Venning just pummeled us all night. He had two huge spin moves at the very end of the game. So I would say a team that has a big guy, maybe not an athlete, but just someone with some meat. And you don't see a whole lot of that in our conference. Um, so that's a matchup I don't love. Um, the other one is if, if you just have a guy, if you have if you have some guys who can shoot the three ball real well. Um, I know Gibson Jimerson at times this year. I know he had a stretch in December where he just was ice cold, but he's kind of come back a little bit in conference. We had a good game against Mason, I know, which I still don't know if you guys won that game, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> um, but Jimerson's a guy. Could he have a night where he hits five threes? Uh, someone that's just really just feeling it. Um, so I would say either a big a, a big with some natural – like not, not, not even a, a stretch big, just someone who we have trouble pushing off the block or a guy who's – they don't have to be a star player, but just someone who can shoot and – they hit three threes in the first half. Next thing you know, they have six, they're six from eight to three. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's one thing that we thought this salute team and why we were so high on this team is because you have a guy like Gibson Jimerson, who's a 40 plus percent three point shooter on his in his career. Uh, Javante Perkins is a complete bucket from three and mid range and can do unbelievable things with the basketball when he gets to the rim, like just, like Barnum and Bailey circus shots. Uh, oh, yeah. And then, and then we had sincere Parker coming in. It was a Juco all American Peter. Um, he, right. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was he, the lead. He wasn't leading scoring average, but he had the most points in Juco yes. that year. I mean, he was a big time scorer. Yeah. And also can, can bomb threes. He's starting to finally come around. Javante mm-hmm. starting to get healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's had two big games in a row. Uh, slew Twitter uh, account just, uh, kind of highlighted that as well, but yeah, 
Uh, so I, I that 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 makes me happy. And of course, we have Franco, and I mean Forrester's a little lighter, but you know, he can Forrester can at least he he's a body at a minimum. Oh, yeah. You know, he's long, gets rebounds, and whatnot. Um, Hargrove's tough. He uh, I feel like I'm. If, if you didn't put names on the back, I just feel like I'm watching a slightly smaller version of Jordan or Jet out there. <laughs> like he's just he's just a tank, little you know? little bit like taller, Jet. a little smaller, yeah. or a little little bit taller, a little thinner, less muscle. But, but the, yeah, but 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 the dreads and just like the way he like gallops to the bucket, like I just, you know, he just takes it to the rack, you know. Um, so Hard Hargrove can be a. I don't. That's a guy. Friday night. I don't know who for BCU guards him. I'll just be honest. I, I don't know. Maybe. Be Jameer Watkins because Jameer Watkins is long a little bit and he's got some size, but I, he's someone who in the BCU St. Louis matchup, I don't know fully who guards him. I want to get into some more specific personnel things. I mean, by now, SLU fans pretty much know who who Ace Baldwin is. Um, you know, a little bit of familiarity with like Nunn and Deloach. Um, tell us about Brandon Johns and, and David Shriver. These are two guys, transfers. Oh. And uh, I, for those who haven't really watched a lot of BCU, what do those guys bring to the squad? So Brandon Johns Jr. Uh, was a four-year player at Michigan. Uh, was actually a John Beeline recruit. Excuse me. Yeah, he was a John Beeline. He played for two years for John Oh, my Beeline. God. Um, and then, you know, it was it was one year one year for Beeline, excuse me, three years for, for uh, Howard. Um, but in the NCAA tournament in 2021, the Sweet 16 game for Michigan was a one seed. He scored like double figures against Florida State. Um, but he comes here, you know, graduated in four years from Michigan, and we needed some a post presence. Uh, Hassan Ward had transferred out, went to Iowa State, and it wasn't much of a score. But uh, Johns Jr. this year, I mean, in conference play, is averaging 12 and four. Not a not a great rebounder by any means, um, but I mean, shooting 60 percent from the floor in conference play right now, 44 and 73 field goals was told he could shoot threes when he came here and it's he's made a couple but his percentages are low good free throw shooter for a big guy um but he's so he's brandon john jr is someone who he's we try to run the offense to him if we can um if there are times when a team will throw a two three zone at us say hey especially in the out of conference these you couldn't hit threes throw a two three zone on make him shoot it and uh we've been in instances where you know john's will pop up to the elbow um his only problem is he turns the ball over a lot. I mean, he has 29 turnovers in nine games in conference play. Um, and a lot of it's trying to do a spin move and someone's there to just kind of pick his pocket. Uh, so he's someone, if you threw Forrester on him, I don't, I could see John scoring on Forrester because Forrester doesn't have the quite the size. Um, maybe, I mean, would you try to put a Coro? I, I, I kind of asked in the question. I don't, for someone who's not, he's not incredibly huge, but he's got good post moves. He played in the Big Ten. I don't know if, I don't know if you're St. Louis. Who would you, who would you throw on? How, how tall is Johns? I'm sorry, real quick. Six eight. Six eight. I I mean Hargrove. Pick well, yeah, I guess our, are are you lining up? Are you generally lining up Johns at the four and Deloach at the five, or vice versa? Uh, kind of more so. Deloach plays five. Deloach plays yeah, five. Yeah. So so Slew is more of a, a four out one in right. Like it's it's yeah. either Okoro or Forrester, one or the other for forty minutes. Never both. Um, and they're, they're, they're clearly our, our five man, right? Mm-hmm. Other than that, we really don't, like Zach was saying earlier, we, we don't have a true four. We have a couple undersized guys kind of filling in as a four. There have been games throughout the year where if we've gotten torched, a lot of times it's it's been a guy who's six, seven, six, eight, and a little stronger, right? Um, somebody who can kind of 
throw a body at an undersized four or in, in even worse, like some of those guys who can kind of step out and shoot too. Um, mm -hmm. We've really been hurt by that, that four position a lot this year. So I, I think a, a team that with, with, you know, with Johns and Delo, which I, you could kind of throw some different looks at slew and, uh, and, and probably give us some trouble down there. Yeah. You mentioned him, so you mentioned yeah. him, sorry, you mentioned him, you know, being turnover prone and, Whenever I hear somebody a big being turnover prone, I think let's put an undersized guy on him with quicker hands and see if we can't force that guy to to turn the ball over before he even gets a chance to shoot it. So, I mean, that's what I would do. I would go Hargrove or um, or Pickett, both guys that I think have those quick hands and also can can guard in the post. And and, and Pickett is an absolute Mack truck of a, he's like a he's like a sprinter van. Like, I, I think that's maybe the best comparison, Pete. I don't like, you know, you talk about like a big guy being a Mack truck, but what would, what would Pickett be? He'd be kind of like a, he's Jordan Goodwin, essentially light. I think he's, well, he's a few inches taller, right? He's six, five, six, six, and he's kind of beefy. He's not the most athletic guy. You know, he played at Mizzou for four years um, mm -hmm. and, and is a grad transfer at SLU and, um, you know, the Mizzou teams he was on weren't very good. I think in the SEC, nah. he kind of struggled a lot against more athletic, longer players, you know. So uh he's he's an odd, he's an odd player. He's a he's a good basketball player who I don't think is a great athlete. Um, but he is kind he's got some kind of I guess underrated brawn to him, right? Like he's he's got uh, a decent frame. He's kind of he's fearless, at least, you know. So um, these are kind of interesting matchups to me. I don't know. I, I don't quite know how I see this shaking out, but I'm a little nervous whenever somebody can really put out a consistent four and five together um, against us. So, uh, I, I, you know, Zach's right. It's going to have to be Hargrove or Pickett. What, what does this game look like for VCU? Uh, if you're, um, if you're sitting back the, the last 10 minutes with your popcorn, like you're happy with the way VCU has performed in this game. What's it look like? Great question. Uh, so a St. Louis native, one of our starters now, Nick Kern, sophomore from, I don't know what high school in St. Louis, but he's from Vishon. St. Louis. Yeah, okay. Vishon. It's just over an uh, sorry, a mile from Sluice campus. Okay. So Kern is someone who, as a freshman last year, played well. He, he can't shoot. He hasn't attempted a three in conference play this year. Can't shoot. But he, he showed signs early last year, like in November or in November when Ace Ball wasn't playing because we needed just guys to play. Um, and other teams didn't have a lot of tape on him. Um, kind of fizzled, fizzled out in conference play. And in this this year, uh, if you listen to one of our, maybe our fourth or fifth episode, it was from November, we kind of mentioned, and I'm sure you guys have had instances before where you're it's early in the season, you're like, hey, there's two or three guys. They're either going to get 15 minutes a game in a or in conference play, or they're going to get three minutes of, of run a game and they're going to transfer them in the year. There's usually a few guys you're like, it's early in the season. You're like, can, will they be rotational players by conference play? Um, so I, he's someone I just, I, I look at and in conference play, it was the night, the night before we played Loyola Chicago. Uh, this is our third, we beat Davidson our third game. So we were two and one. We played at Loyola Chicago. And he started that night. Apparently, Coach Rhodes said, um, apparently, Coach Rhodes more or less said, hey, we are not going to start Jameer Watkins tonight. We're going to start Nate Kern instead because Watkins was kind of struggling from threes for the most part. 
And we started Kern that night. And Kern is someone who he has long strides. Um, he, I mean, he can get from free throw line to free throw line in a second. I mean, he just runs. You, I bring that up. Um, a, he's a St. Louis native, and it's just kind of fun. You have a Richmond native, Gibson Jimerson's from Richmond. <laughs> so, I, you know, it's, it's kind of fun to, fun, fun to see guys across the country or halfway across the country playing at another school in the conference. Um, but if it's the second half, 10 minutes to go, you know, VC is not up by a lot, but VC is up by four or five, and it just feels right. It's because Nick Kearns had three wide-open dunks, meaning he either got out in transition, ace balled into a bounce pass to him, Kern took one dribble and galloped to the rim, or he camped out on the baseline multiple times throughout the night and got a backdoor cut for a wide-open layup or wide-open dunk. Um, and I bring that up is because that didn't happen last night against St. Bonaventure. I think he had one layup in the first half, um, but we – I don't know if Coach Schmidt just focused on him for the most part, um, but Kern never really got going last night. He had one bucket. Um, so playing downhill is the most important thing, and I bring up Kern because he's someone who isn't – Everyone knows who Ace Baldwin is. Um, everyone in A10 play knows who Triver is now because he, he's shooting 56% from three right now. But Kern's a guy who's not a – he's a starter right now, but he's not a leading scorer. Um, but him playing downhill puts me in a better feeling. Uh, it makes me feel like we're about to win a basketball game. I want to ask about um, how this VCU team stacks up defensively compared to, you know, historical VCU teams that that we're you know more familiar with it from the looks of it just kind of looking through your schedule here a lot more inconsistent maybe um in terms of the number I'm seeing that you guys are allowing in a given game I feel like last year maybe the year before there were a lot of times where VCU was like regularly holding teams to under 60 under 50 um in a game maybe not scoring that much um you guys maybe score a little bit more this season but um what can you tell us about VCU's defense this year? So, good question. Uh, prior to this season, so not, not counting Rhodes' first season, 2017, 2018, but years two through five, three of those four years, VCU was top, ended top 15 in the nation in Ken Palm defense. I think 2018, 19, it was number seven. 2020, 2021, two years ago, it was 14, and last year was number seven or eight. Um, so, it's true. But I think they're in the 20s right now, 25, 26, but we were in the 50s, like in November and December. Um, so you make it's a valid question. Good defense still, but not lockdown, lockdown. Uh, I mentioned earlier we gave up 83 points to Temple because we just let them shoot wide up at threes the whole game. Um, Jacksonville scored 73 on us because they got offensive, I mean, they out rebounded this by 11 that night and just got putbacks. Uh, so you mentioned that, and Hassan Ward, your slow fans, you've dealt with players before that just even if they were talented, you never felt like they were the right fit. Hassan Ward was not a scorer for us last year, but he was still one of the best shot blockers in the conference uh, outside of Ashunahe. He's probably the best. Uh, him leaving and then Vince Williams, who was first team all IHN last year, first team all defensive team, two guys, that A, one being a big guy, Son Ward, other one, Vince Williams, who could play the four. We knew our interior defense was not going to be as strong coming into the season. Um, and that's probably the, been the most notable thing is big big opponents having having time to score on us. Um, Jalen Deloche not being in foul, he was in foul trouble early on in the year. Um, one of my co-hosts, Caleb Jones, he's our kind of our stat guy. And one of the stats he focuses on all year is fouls for 40 for Jalen Deloach. And it was really bad in November. I mean, I'm talking, uh, I mean, he, he was getting three or four fouls a game, but playing like 18 minutes because he was in foul trouble. Um, so that's one thing is the, his foul trouble didn't help us early on in the year. Now he's gotten a lot better at it. He fouled out against George Mason on Wednesday, but we won that game by 20. So that wasn't an issue. Um, 
So interior defense specifically has been an issue. Um, it's gotten better as conference play started. The perimeter defense hasn't been too much of an issue. Ace Baldwin's going to get steals every night. Uh, Jaden Nunn's going to get steals all night. I mentioned Nick Kearns when he gets a lot of steals. Uh, Jalen Deloach for a big guy gets steals. So we're still you know top 10 or top 15% in the nation in steal percentage. Uh, but I would say interior defense has been the, the one downfall. How much pressing are you guys doing? Obviously, uh, we don't have McCall, Mitchell, and Jet back there uh, protecting the ball anymore. It's it's kind of a, uh, you know, the Yuri Collins show. So, obviously, Billiken fans, uh, you know, pressing has been a concern. Uh, I would say we press a f- – this isn't Shaka 2014 press. <laughs> um now you can't, even, you even, can't, nobody does that. Nobody does that. Yeah. Except yeah. You know, yeah, we, uh, yeah, there were some, there's, you know, some conspiracies that we foul a lot when we, uh, we do the press, but that's all BS from my point of view. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's my opinion. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's my opinion. <laughs> um, you know, we still press a fair amount. We, it's almost, it's almost in more of a zone kind of setup. I mean, it, you know, you have, you still have the, whoever's playing point guard will always have, you know, there was me, the guard's always going to be on him. Ace Baldwin's going to be on Yuri Collins most of the night. Um, one other guy I mentioned, you mentioned play, uh, specific players or whatnot. Zeb Jackson is a Michigan transfer. Um, so he, he played two years at Michigan. Was a I, I, This is where I, I, I kind of misused my language earlier with Brandon Jones Jr. Zeb Jackson played two years at Michigan. He was a beeline recruit as a junior. He committed to John Beeline. Senior year, John Beeline leaves. Senior of high school, and Howard comes in. And But he played for Howard two years. Had a case of mono two years ago, never played, and broke his – I think he broke his hand last year. So he pretty much never played in two years. So he's kind of a sophomore for us this year, maybe a freshman if things work out, and he's a he's 20-21. But um, he's someone who comes up the bench and has a lot of energy, is an incredibly good athlete. Uh, his only problem is his – I think I have a better three-point looking shot than he does. It's kind of funky. He was the number 60 overall recruit three years ago. It's kind of frustrating. But he's someone who can because he, he's he's bouncy. He can play at the middle at like mid court on the uh, press. Um, so he's someone I just salute fans. Watch he could. He, I mentioned guys earlier about getting playing time. He could play eight minutes Friday night. He could play eighteen off the bench and have four steals. <laughs> um, kind of just depends. Um, we still press a fair amount. It's again, it's not twenty fourteen press. Um, Yuri's such a good point. Such a good point guard. Um, I mean, he's like any player. He can turn the ball over some. The only catch I would say is who who helps him out on it. If if we press, who helps him out? So I feel like that's a I feel like that's kind of the maybe a question you're almost kind of you mentioned it's the Yuri Collins show. Who if he's getting trapped thirty feet from the bat or you know ten feet from the mid court line, who's who's helping him out? I it's kind of by committee. Yeah, I, I I mean Perkins, Pickett. Uh, Jimerson, I actually really like Jimerson on the ball lately. I don't know why he doesn't get it a lot uh, on, you know, like in the backcourt per se. Um, yeah, Pete, it's kind of committee, right? Lately, it seems like Pickett has been trying to, I mean, Pickett did this thing. Um, what was that what George Washington? Oh, no, no. Um, yeah, the the drive. Yeah, we're, so the, the three kept, pointer at halftime. It was George Washington. So he kept getting um, the ball. Because that was the game Yuri was out, right? Um, yeah. He, he was kept, sick, sick that game, wasn't he? And we were up by a little yeah. bit, and um, Pickett kept calling for the ball on the to beat the press, right? So they were fouling him and putting him on the free throw line. I think he wound up going 9 of 11. 
and and made basically all of them down the stretch so it seems like he's the guy who wants to get it late with a lead and like and you know maybe a team that hasn't been pressing us all day is trying to get fouled but we uh for a team that's pressing us the entire time it's it, it really is a committee it's not like uh I don't, I don't have a lot of confidence in a secondary ball handler. We do have a freshman, Larry Hughes Jr. You might have heard that name as, as more of a... I grew up, in, grew up in Virginia. I mean, watching Wizards games as a kid. Yeah. Of course, I know Larry Hughes. He's a... Is he a walk-on? Or... He technically uh, is, yeah. Yes, he's, technically. he's like a kind of a, a wiry 6'6 freshman, but has shown veteran poise, right? I mean, like he's got a, he's got a three-point shot. He plays kind of a cool, confident game. Um inconsistent minutes you know like sometimes you'll see him for 15 minutes sometimes you'll see him for three to five but um he's a guy who i i think can kind of emerge really as that secondary ball handler but it, it really is all about yuri at this point um we have seen a few games where teams have thrown more pressure at him uh, both in the backcourt and then you know trapping him or just not letting him get in as deep into the offense and uh and it's gotten to him you know it definitely has and without that sort of obvious secondary ball handler, without better ball handlers overall in our in our guard position, um, that to me, uh, you know, is is what I fear in this kind mm-hmm. of game. Like if if they get to Yuri, um, the, if the pressure gets to him, that could be a problem. The other the other thing that he can kind of fall into, especially in a game like this where there's the marquee matchup between point guards, right? Um, of course, two guys who both think they're the best point guard in the A10. Um, oh, yeah. Yuri okay. can kind of get into this mentality where he tries to score too much, right? Like he, mm-hmm. he doesn't, he's best off scoring the ball when he kind of just lets it come to him. When he tries to force things, it can get ugly, you know, and, and you'll wind, you'll see him drive and get blocked drive after drive. I, I think um, one of the best things that's happened to this team was that Yuri Collins was sick for that GW game. Uh, because as Pete said, he said, you know, Yuri Collins gets in the mode where he tries to score too much, but he also gets in this mode where he's got to be the guy that makes the last pass. And right. it's not out of like, not out of stat hunting. It's more like I can do this. This is how I help the team. But in reality, when you do that a little too much, it becomes predictable. And everybody knows that when you have the ball in your hand, you're going to most likely give it up. And so play everybody straight up and hope that Yuri can't beat you off the dribble or by a shot. Now, since that game, we've you we watched you know Perkins be able to cook with the ball in his hand. Uh, Pickett was serviceable. Uh, Jimerson had seven assists in a game. He led the team in assists. Somebody other than Yuri Collins, and it was Gibson Jimerson. Um, so this team has really been emboldened to be playmakers and help Yuri be a playmaker. Uh, we've added so, a couple wrinkles to the offense too that that facilitates that that makes yeah. that happen. Um, so it, it's been interesting to watch, but I still don't have a ton of confidence in a team that that's going to put this much pressure on. I agree. And, it scares and, the shit out of me. I look at the game last year. So the BC and slow is a matchup. is kind of interesting because we've only played once a year, pretty much every year since I think Wade's first year, 15, 16, we played twice. I think we played once a year since then. Um, and like last year, we played the very last game of the year. It was the one game I didn't watch fully because I had some – then my girlfriend, now fiance, we kind of had something going on that day. Um, so I couldn't really watch it. Um, and that was a game I think slew about like 16 or 17, and we came back and cut it to one late. 
Um, that sounds right. It, yeah, it was the I mean, it was the last game of the year. We were if we would have won, we would have actually been tied for first and would have been the one seed. But that's a different conversation. <laughs> um, and then two years ago was the COVID year. We played at single center one game and uh tv ted gave us a little assist that night on oh, last second foul call well, <laughs> right call, right call, I, no obviously. no sir yeah well, he, he, he actually he was he was uh he, he was covering our game uh george mason game wednesday at him tv ted and i just i always think of uh i always think of the yuri i think it was yuri collins who fouled uh down ace that night right <laughs> i think that, that sounds um, right yeah, it was like in February. It was towards the end of the year. Yeah, I was at a I was at an indoor soccer game watching. I watched that right before my indoor game, so I I remember that uh, way too well. Uh, uh, but but I mentioned this. We just haven't played St. Louis a lot, so they're right. they're the one team. You know, we play Dayton twice every year. Um, they're the one team. I I feel like at times I don't know them for for how you know they're regularly they pretty much been the top five or six team since 2018, 2019. Um, they're still a team. I, I mean, I watch most of their games because I mean, I, dude, I if it's not summertime, I'm I'm not watching the Cubs. You're a I sicko like us. I watch basketball all day long. Um, Saturday, my fiance had something going on, and I just literally watched basketball from like twelve to four thirty. Went to a little pregame, watched BCU lose, and came back and watched Gonzaga play at like nine o'clock. Um, but uh, yeah, that that is the one you mentioned. Is it Pickett? Is it Jimerson? Who who else is going to guard if if Collins is getting you know? double teamed and whatnot in the backcourt. I just, I'm intrigued to see, see what happens. Connor, appreciate you coming on. Uh, let our, uh, let our fans know um, where they can find your guys work. Uh, so mentioned earlier, so at, at black gold fan pod, uh, that's on Twitter, Instagram. You can listen to our podcast on Spotify, uh, Apple, Apple podcasts, iTunes, uh, all that, all that memorabilia and whatnot. Um, we're pretty new. Uh, it's my, I'm the, one of the hosts, Connor Bailey. My main host is Adam Epstein and Caleb Jones and Chris Mason are my co-hosts. Uh, give us a follow. Uh, there's a few, few podcasters out there from BCU. Um, but I'll be honest, we're the best. We're the best. We, uh, you know, we don't sugarcoat things. We had a, we had to sugarcoat some things back in November when it didn't look too good right then, but, uh, we're playing a lot better basketball right now, but, um, give us a follow, give us a listen. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, man. We I uh, let us know if you'd like us to to come on 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 the show, and uh, I'm sure if it works out for our schedule, we'll uh, we'll be happy to to join, man. And and, and uh, you are my uh, second least favorite black and gold team. So congratulations on that. I've I've heard that joke a couple times, and I yeah. I'll, I'll take I'll I'll take what I can get from you guys. Yeah. Hey, Connor. Thank you again, and and have a good evening, and uh, good luck this week up until Friday. Appreciate it, fellas. See y'all Friday, Thanks, Connor. Take it easy. Pete, it's time for the trivia question of the week. Thank you to Connor Bailey uh, for joining us and uh, giving us some insight into the VCU Rams. Uh, Friday 10 coming up 6 p.m. on ESPN2. Uh, Friday, that is the uh, 3rd of February. So excited uh, for that. Uh, but let's talk trivia. Uh, last week's question, Pete, go ahead. And it was your question. I'll let you read it. So Francis Okoro registered the 17th 20 rebound game in slew men's basketball program history. How many players combined for those other 16? I'm not asking who all 16 of them were, but how many different players represent those 16? It's 10 different players. The number that really jumps out here is number one, Jerry Cook or Coke, K-O-C-H. It's Coke. 38 rebounds in a game. 
Um, and then the the crazy thing is, you think a guy who does that is just a rebound machine. He never had 20 in another game. So he's number one, and then he, he doesn't appear on the list again. But the other nine guys are Bob Norman, Hassan French, uh, easy one for, for young, you know, more recent fans. Rich Parks, Eugene Moore, Bob Cole, Anthony Bonner, Carl Johnson, Mike Lockett, Rich Neiman. You didn't need to name everybody, but but it, this is it was kind of a tough one because there are um, a lot of those rebounding numbers are pretty old. A lot of those come from the 50s and 60s. And, uh, you know, for younger fans, it's just not not a lot of names that they know. Um, just a few. Uh, I, I think West Pine Bills were the first to get this one, Zach, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I guess we'll give it to them. Yeah, begrudgingly, I guess. Uh... <laughs> they, they weren't happy about last week. No, but we'll shout them out this time. So, so good job. You guys got, uh, you guys had the right number. This week's question, Zach, um, has to do with one of our opponents this week. Yeah. Slew played Fordham exactly one time before joining the A10 back in 1972. Uh, where was this game held? Yeah. So, th um, this, uh, this one was inspired by kind of going and looking back at the Fordham series history because I was curious. I don't really have a lot of memory of us losing to Fordham. And I looked at our all-time A-10 record against them, our 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 head-to-head -head with Fordham. And, you know, we've been we've been really good against Fordham. You know, we're 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 15 and three overall. We've only lost to them um three times since joining this league, one right before uh Soderberg um was let go, and then we lost to them again in 2015 and 2017. But two odd things, Zach, that stuck out to me about this series. We've never played a home and home with Fordham, you know, so since joining the league, they've never been one of our home and homes and we've never run into them in the conference tournament, um, which I thought was really odd. You would think well, that at least once or twice we would. I would think the cruise years would be one of them. Uh, the post, you know what I mean? When we were in the pillow yeah. fight, how did oh, we, we how did we in. dodge them in the pillow fight? But, exactly. but somehow we did. Um, so yeah, Fordham has just been no matter what, since joining the eight ten, we've only played them one time a season, uh, which was really odd. So yeah, um, I, I, I need to apologize to to our followers a little bit. We put out a question, and I said we'd talk about it on the episode, um, but we we that was when we didn't have a VCU podcaster to talk to, and and that came about kind of late in the game. So uh, I'm just gonna run through a couple of these what ifs just to give you the questions what people came up with. So we asked, what is the biggest what if uh, in Billiken basketball history? Uh, what if the 2020 team didn't have a COVID shutdown? Uh, what if Majerus stays healthy? And then you know for how long? Uh, what if the AD doesn't hold on to Cruz? Uh, so there's two different times. There's uh, prior to the not making him interim, and then uh changing coaches after that ncaa tournament so that's that's one of them uh what if craig upchurch had been admitted to slu uh what if tatum chose slu over duke what if larry hughes stays uh what if the billikens avoid what have now been uh called situation one and two scandals uh, so that, yeah, that, those are, those are some really good ones. Uh, obviously we've got well, this, this episode is going to be around two hours. So, uh, we're gonna put that aside. We might do that as a separate little YouTube video mini sewed. Um, but those are all great questions. Oh, we're going we're to go deep on that one. We're oh gonna my go God, deep it's on it. We just, so much just, fun. just not now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, women's basketball. 
Uh, what an interesting week for Tillett and her squad. It really was. And it started with um, hoping that we could get some of the positive vibes into Belk Arena uh, for the men's team, who's never won there, by maybe having the women's team pick off a win there on Wednesday the 25th. But unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Um, they they wound up losing by four, 75-71, in, in a game that honestly could have gone either way, Zach. Yeah, uh, SLU led 21-16 after the first, and Davidson scored uh, the first five to tie it in the second. This was, uh, I mean, uh, look, SLU cooked in that first quarter. And then after that, it was just like, well, Davidson's back in the game. Here we go. It's going to be a coin flip the rest of the way. Seems like every yeah. game has been a coin flip for this team. It really has. It really has. They traded leads for a while, so SLU takes a four-point lead into half. And then the third quarter, they grew it to as much as 10 um, but then Davidson closed out that quarter strong and 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 was up one going into the fourth. Um, they treated leads again for a while in in, in the fourth quarter. Um, the last six minutes, unfortunately, you, you just wind up with too many turnovers and misses by SLU. You know, this was a, a coin flip game, and they just didn't execute in the end, um, and Davidson did. I think the way Tillett put it was that um, – uh, David hits that they made progress, but Davidson hit some big shots in this one. Um, Davidson got 47 points out of two players. Um, Ellie Sutfin, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, had 25 uh, with 11 rebounds and four blocks. And then Susie Rose Deegan had 22 and five. Um, so it really was a two person team for them. Um, but kind of a bright note here, Zach Flowers, Brooke Flowers. We've, we've talked about her offense before and, and how it's never really come around, but this week it really did. Career high, 24 points at Davidson with five rebounds and a block. Um, she's made that offense more of a focus lately, and she goes 11 for 14 in this one. Yeah, I, I've been really impressed with what, what she's brought to the table in uh, the last two games. It's It's one of those things where it seems that maybe either they're putting her in the right position or she's just – I don't know, uh, you know, figured it out herself, um, but really happy to see her turn it on. And uh, it's something that this team has sorely missed. Yeah, for sure. Um, and she also this week was named the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year watch list. Um, so we'll be keeping an eye on that award as well. Uh, Julia Martinez, 19-6-6 and with two steals and a block, 9-16 from, from the field. Huge game for her. Um, McMakin and Nicastro both had 10 in this one, but it took McMakin's 16 field goal attempts to get there and only seven for Nicastro. The cool thing is, though, McMakin reached the 2,000-point mark um, and is one of 10 active players now with over 2,000. She also got her 500th career rebound. Um, it's crazy to think that she's going to probably be back for another season already sitting on over 2,000 points. Um, Pretty yeah, I mean the she just, I mean she gets buckets just not efficiently all the time, right, right. Um, tough game for Calhoun in this one, Pete. Four points, four assists, seven turnovers. Um, just not not her night. Um, Slew had seven more fouls than Davidson. I think the men would would experience how the officiating works for the Davidson Wildcats as well. Uh, they had a couple at the end, you know, as they're trying to keep it close, but it's it's a notable disparity nonetheless. Um, and, uh, speaking of disparities, uh, they were on the wrong side of a seven turnover one um, as well. They had twenty to Davidson's thirteen. So it's kind of a common theme for both the men and the women there this week. 
lost the foul battle, lost the turnover battle, battle, you know, let their opponent have a lot more field goal attempts. Um, so they just have to be that much better shooting the ball. And, um, you know, if they play a cleaner game here, they probably win this one rel- with not just by a couple, but relatively comfortably. So I'm um, kind of ashamed to let this one get away. But the bright note coming out of this one, that's two close road losses in a row. And I think it kind of is setting the table for them to come back at home and play a better game, Zach, against Fordham. Um, this is now four games in a row that have been very competitive for this team, and they've they've pulled out wins in two of them. Yeah, you pull out an 87-84 win versus Fordham. I mean, this is a good win. This is a uh this is a program building. This is something you build off of. Fordham has been historically one of the better teams in this conference. And I know they've had some, some issues with uh, coaching um, a, a coaching change recently, but, but nevertheless, oh, yeah, this, right. this is a, this has been frequently an NCAA tournament team. Uh, they've been one of the top two teams in conference in, in, in recent years. And they're, they're clearly a top half team this year. If, if not quite sure, you know, whether they're the third or fifth best or whatever team. Um, but this is a big one. Uh, Slu got out to a really hot start, 29 in the first quarter. Um, but then they had their problem quarter, as they have a lot this season, and allowed Fordham to score 31 um, in that third quarter. So Fordham took a um, a four-point lead into the fourth. Uh, so, you know, it feels like there's always that one quarter, you know? Yeah, it, it really is frustrating. I, I mean. Again, it's one of those things, is it really just the quarter or is it, you know, us being close and watching it constantly? Uh, <laughs> really, really liked, you mentioned Ken Calhoun in the last one, and, and she's been fantastic, man. Like, I think she's been a huge bright spot on this team besides Mia Castro. She's been a lot better lately overall. Um, I don't know if if necessarily this week was her best week, but I think her trend line over the season has been mm-hmm. a lot better. Um in this game, it was it was not so much um, Calhoun as uh, Peyton Kennedy um, coming off the bench and giving you uh, 17 points and five rebounds in 27 minutes. Um, good performance from her, and and really as McMakin goes, you know, so goes Slew. Um, McMakin ends up playing all 40 minutes here and scoring 33 on 11 of 20 shooting. Uh, clearly, one of her best performances of the year. Um, Slew, you know, like I said, went into the fourth quarter down four, but they tied it with just under six minutes left on a McMakin jumper. She winds up scoring the next four points of the game, and then Peyton Kennedy, um, a fast break layup, and Slew's up six. They take an eight point lead into the final minute. Fordham steals the ball and and uh, and 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 winds up tying it with 21 seconds left. You know, just a little bit of sloppiness at the end. Um, then they wind up fouling McMakin at midcourt. Uh, she makes her free throws. Fordham misses back-to-back threes, fouls her again, and she makes one more to put this one away. So <laughs> Slew was probably feeling like they had this one wrapped up, and then you know the turnover, uh, the turnover bug returned. Um, so as good as McMakin was in this one, Martina has had a really rough shooting night, two of seventeen for the field. Um, but Zach Julia Martinez, being Julia Martinez. She adds 12 rebounds, 13 assists, and five steals. Um, had she shot, I mean, all she needed to do was go six of 17, and she's got a triple-double in this one. Uh, I, I kind of feel like she's going to do it sooner or later, though. 
Yeah, Martinez has been uh, just unbelievable. I, I, I mean, it, it's a complete renaissance of her game this season. It's it, it, somebody called it a Conklin summer, and I, I don't see what I don't I don't see a uh, you know I don't see a lie there. No, she's she's really she's been great. I mean, she's kind of the engine that that powers this team as much as McMakin's the one who's trying to do the scoring. Martinez does everything else. Um, but you had a bit, another big scoring night here for Flowers. Finishes with twenty three and ten. Um, you know, that's the look. She's coming off a twenty four point career high. Twenty three. That's her second best night ever. Um, and then, like I said, Kennedy's got seventeen points off the bench. So Slew got seventeen of eighty seven points from three players. Uh, between Flowers, Kennedy, and McMakin in this one. Um, this this result, Zach, is what happens when this team shoots well. We we talked to Colin Surrey about this before, um, and it really just comes down to being more efficient with the with shooting the ball. Yes, they turned it over too much again in this one. Yes, there are some things to clean up, um, but they played at a really good pace. They scored 50 in the paint and took down what's normally one of the one of the best teams in this league. Um, so I think overall, this is a great game. The only thing I'm kind of worried about looked like Camry Clegg went down with an injury. Um, I don't, I haven't heard anything on her status yet, so I, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for her. Uh, next up for the women's basketball team is George Mason on Wednesday. That's a team that is up and down. Some seasons they will be very, very good. Some seasons, not so much that's on February 1st. Uh, and then at Bonaventure on Sunday, the fifth, as we know, Traveling to Bonaventure is not a fun experience. Uh, swimming nope. and diving. But l- luckily, that 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 Bonaventure team is in dead last place. Oh, right they now, are so. horrific. Yeah. So 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 maybe even if you takes planes, trains, and automobiles, they can uh, they can pull one out up in uh, Western New York. Mid-season firing too in Bonaventure. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. On the swimming and diving side, uh, senior day at versus Maryville, Saturday twenty eighth. Men won 174 uh, to 25, and the women won 176 uh, to 44. By the way, Pete, had a great time uh, meeting a couple of the Swim and Dive alum at Humphreys. As I said, I went out to to celebrate the the belt curse being lifted. Uh, and I had no better place to do it the next night because I couldn't go out Friday night uh, than Humphreys on Saturday night. And got to meet um, Brooks Maupin, a uh, good guy. Actually, uh, funny story. Uh, so. I was like, dude, I need uh, like a slew swim cap. And they're like, oh yeah, I can get you on a and so I like went into the bathroom. And as I'm in the bathroom, one of another guy's on the phone with somebody and he's telling, like, hey, could you bring up a swim cap to Humphreys? Like, I'm like, <laughs> I think that's for me. Uh, but it was just so funny. But the, I think the funniest part was uh what he they gave it to me and we're sitting at the bar and I go to like they hadn't even walked away or anything. I try I went to try it on and and this will happen with older swim caps. It just split right in half. And it was just, it was, it was the dumbest thing that's ever happened. Uh, but so cool of them to to hook me up with one of those anyway. And uh, I think I'll put half of it on the, uh, on the wall back here. Just add to the, to the, uh, to the wall of stuff. Um, yeah. Run nice. down, tra- run down the track and field results, Pete. Yeah, and before I do that, I want to let people know that swimming and diving, um, they have they have the A10 championships coming up on the fifteenth, uh, February fifteenth to eighteenth in Geneva, Ohio. I believe that's the Spire Institute or Spire Academy, kind of you know the sports prep school up there. And also, if anybody from the athletic department's listening, I wish you would have listed the seniors who were celebrated on Senior Day in swimming. The challenge for us right now, 
normally on senior day, it would be very obvious looking at the roster and saying like, okay, yeah, these are the people who are leaving, but there are a lot of people exercising in fifth year. So I don't know for sure who's staying and going. Um, track and field was spread across two events this weekend. Um, the team saw numerous personal records and even a few program records fall. Uh, most of them were at the Indiana Relays, most most of the uh, the team anyway. Um, Toby Gillen broke his own 3,000-meter school record, finishing fifth overall there with a time of 801.78. Um, we had a couple other school records fall at the Illini Challenge up in uh, Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. Um, James Baker set a new school record in heptathlon with a score of 44.96. He also ran a personal record in the 1,000-meter and then Maddie Pearson broke the sloop pentathlon record with a score of 32.93. So those are the three school records uh, to fall. And, uh, you know, like I said, there's a lot of personal records, too, over the weekend um, for track and field. So if you want to uh, if you want to um, see all of those, you should follow John Bell, the track and field coach on Twitter. I believe he's J Bell 30. Right, Zach? Yeah. J, sure. uh, yeah. J Bell 30. So, um, so go follow him and you'll see all the PRs in there. Next up, they've got the Iowa State Classic on February 3rd and 4th in Ames, Iowa. Um, that wraps up the week in Billiken Athletics. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Midtown Mad Pod. At Peter is a tweeter at Zach Miller MMP and on Instagram at Midtown Mad Pod. Speaking of social media, thanks to everyone who like interacted with our Twitter this week. I, I mean, we probably had the most interactions that we've had since we started the account uh, just on those, t- on the baseball tweet. And then on uh, the, what else was there? There was an, uh, the, uh, the what if tweet. So uh, yeah. really appreciate everybody getting, you know, and, and every time those things take off, like our Twitter follows grow by 10. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's it for our show. Uh, we appreciate any and all suggestions you might have for the show. Uh, go subscribe if you haven't yet. Uh, if you haven't left a review, you can do that as well. Let's drop five stars. Uh, as always, Pete, go Bills. Go Bills. And there's no such thing as curse. Curse. <laughs>